Everybody say bye-bye to the kiddos. <laughs> bye. Hey, we've been in this series called Snap. And uh, um, and it's been a fun series for me just because it never fails that when you begin to talk about something, that situations arise and it makes you kind of want to blow up and snap and but we've been in this series and we've talked about how like sometimes in life situations arrive that drive us to our breaking point right and we've talked about how um, a lot of the times it's the really bad situations of life that drive us absolutely crazy so much so crazy that we lose track and we don't we don't have margin in our lives and we can't get the kids to practice on time we can't get that project done, and it's always the negative. But my question today is, is what happens when we succeed, when we have spiritual success and we still run, when we snap? And the title of my sermon today and the title, the title of the sermon and the question that God asks today is, is this, what are you doing here? Like, why is it sometimes that when we have spiritual success, we tend to run? Why is it that when, all, when things are going good, it seems like we try to distance ourselves from the very thing that God has called us to and brought us through? You know, it's kind of like this. Maybe when I was getting this ready, I thought of this picture. I had a friend. Um, we were out of, high, out of high school, and we were talking. He goes, man, I have this awesome date Friday night. It's going to be a beautiful girl, and hopefully things work out, and this may be the one. I don't know. And so he goes on this date, and that night, later on that night, I call him and said, hey, man, how, how, how'd your date go? He goes, man, it was the best date I ever went on in my life. We had a nice conversation. I took her home. She called me. You know, we were all the way home. It's like, you, man, you, she, I told her, I, was like, we, I just left like two seconds ago, she, and she was like all in, like she was all into me, and I was like, Probably not really that good, but, you know. But he's talking about how great his date was, all the things that he was doing on this date. And about a week later, I said, so how's things going with so-and-so? And he goes, oh, man, I'm too scared to go back. I said, why? And he goes, because it went so good. Why is it that sometimes we run from those things? When things are going so well, and I'm not necessarily talking about just dating, but I thought of that story when, when I was getting this ready. But there's a, there's a story in the Bible. And that if you grew up in church, you drove by a church, your great-great-great-great-grandfather went to church, you know this story, or at least part of this story. You see, there's this guy, his name was Elijah. And in 1 Kings 18, he defeats the prophets of Baal, right? And so he, if you remember the story, he controls the rain, and it hadn't rained in forever, and so finally he, he challenges the prophets of Baal, and all the prophets of Baal come up to the mountain, and, all, and Elijah goes up the mountain, and the prophets of Baal do some dancing, they cut themselves. And one of my favorite part of that is when Elijah tells them, maybe, maybe your God is in the bathroom relieving himself. That's my favorite part of the story, okay? It's like, your God is taking a doo-doo right now. Okay, that's why he can't hear you, all right? And so he does all this stuff. Well, neither to say fire didn't fall from heaven, okay? So then Elijah steps up and has them dump water all over the altar, the thing that's supposed to be caught on fire, which just a side note, if, if our God is, is able to do whatever, do you think a little puddle is going to hinder him? No. So I don't think it real. Uh, it's a whole different story. I better keep going. Anyways, so Elijah prays and says, God, you show him who's God. And fire fell from heaven and, and consumed the altar. And 
um, and Elijah goes and kills all the prophets of Baal, and he gets a book deal. He sign, he starts a leadership podcast. He does all this craziness, right? Everything like success happens. But there's a part in this story afterward that he does something. So something, in fact, that God has to has to ask him, "What are you doing here?" Because what did you just see? What I did, the success you had over here, everything was good. So let's pick up the story in 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 1, it says this, Then Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. And it goes on to say, So Jezebel sent the message to Elijah, May the God strike me and even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. In verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judea, and he left his servant there. Then he went on into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died then he laid down laid the oh my then he laid down and slept under the broom tree but as he was sleeping an angel touched him and told him and just so you aware some versions say um, some versions of scripture say lord of angel armies which if that is the correct translation um, that would mean like this is a pre this is old testament uh, picture of Jesus in the Old Testament, like, you know, because Jesus would appear to Old Testament people like Daniel and stuff and give, give them messages, but that's a side note. But anyways, he said to him, get up and eat in verse 6. He says, he looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and he laid down again. So we often run, we, like, we all could agree that the, the prophets of Baal thing was a success, Right? Like it was like that was low down like the best thing probably. That, that, that would be like if your life had highlight, a highlight reel, that would be on the highlight reel, right? And so here he is afterward, all this success, and he runs. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, or the thing that we want to notice is we oftentimes run from our spiritual success because, and you can write this down, we fear the worldly consequences. We fear the worldly consequences. Here's what I mean. What if this success takes me, takes me away from what's comfortable? Because sometimes we get so comfortable in mediocrity. Sometimes we get so comfortable in just the same old, same old daily routine. But what if God allowed this spiritual success in your life, the very thing that you're running from, to get you to the next level? And to get to the next level, there has to be tension. And where there's tension, where there's tension is growth and strength can come. So the question becomes, are you, just, are, are you running from your spiritual success because you fear worldly consequences, what this may look like in your life? Or maybe it's, will my friends still accept me because I want to live for God? Like, what if, I, what if, what if I'm lonely? What if no one wants to be around me? But, and I'm just going to say this as a side note. I think I may have said this before. Um, people wanted to be with Jesus. So it's not that you're a believer in Jesus that people don't want to be around you. The reason people don't want to be around you is because you're weird. You're just straight up weird, okay? Because people wanted to be around you. So you can't use the excuse, well, because I'm a Christian. 
people don't want to be around. No, no. Because listen, the people that want to be around me, I I know it's because I'm weird. But maybe we maybe we can accept. Maybe we maybe we, we ask the question: Will my friends still accept me? Or maybe the worldly consequences that we fear is: What if this pushes me to leave everything I know? What if this leaves me to leave everything I know? Like have have you ever like have you ever like went to a situation like have you ever entered the room with people that you know are like a hundred times smarter than you? It's me every day, <laughs> Monday through Friday. I walk up in there and I'm like, I have, don't tell Southall this. I have no clue what I'm doing. Okay, <laughs> don't tell nobody, Brian. <laughs> I have no clue what I'm doing because these people are so much smarter than me. So what if what if it make what if this makes me leave everything that I know? Like, can you imagine the the disciples? Like when Jesus said, "Come, follow me." All they knew was the was the was the law, and now he's going to teach them grace. Like, can you imagine? Like, no wonder Peter was mouthy because this is all he knew, and God was bringing him to something new. Like, what if it what if it pushes you to leave what you know behind? See, I think of when I first went to start shift church and I thought I was just going to we were just going to be a church that does awesome Sunday morning services and then it rocked my world that that really wouldn't work anymore so we had to do something different I had a detox from everything that I knew church was because it wasn't really going to work anymore and so like I had to change everything I know to have success we have we have to change what we know so if we keep trying to do this, the same thing and new, and the, you know, the same old thing and new skin, it's just going to fail. It's going to fall apart. But here's the second thing that we may that causes us to run from spiritual success. We fear we fear being isolated. We do fear of being alone. See, God wants us in all this. What if no one goes with me? See, God wants to set you apart for a purpose. But anytime He begins to do a work, we run. Why? Like, why do we run? And I think a lot of times it has to do with we feel like, is, is anybody going to go go with us? But see, sometimes I think we confuse isolation with being set apart. Because you and I, as believers, are set apart to be something different in this world. To be something, something a part of something bigger than who we, that we can even imagine. See, in, in 1 Peter uh, 2, 9, it says this, But you are a chosen people, set aside to be a royal order of priests, a holy nation, God's own, so that you may proclaim the wondrous acts of the one who called you out of inky darkness into sh- in shimmering light. You were set apart to be something different in the world around you. That's why the Bible speaks of being in the world, but not of the world. You're, you're in it to be something different, to be a beacon of hope, to be, the, to be the lighthouse on the edge of a cliff warning ships that if you come any closer, there's danger. You're set apart for a reason, so don't confuse set apart from, with isolation because you're not alone in this. That's the why at the end, the end, uh, end, toward the end of Jesus' life, when he ascended into heaven, he said, don't, don't fear because I am with you. You're not alone. You're not isolated. You've got someone with you. 
Let's pick up the story some more. 1 Kings 19, 6-7 says, He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Like, just imagine that even in our running, God's working in us. Like even when, we, when we're running from our success, when we're running from the things of God, when we snap and we're running away from the greatness of God, God still does some amazing things. Like this, God still provides. If you're taking notes, you can write, God still provides. Just think about it. What did he provide Elijah while Elijah was on the run? Food to eat. Right? It also, he, it's a, it's a, he still protects. God still protects. Because he, he gave him some a, a, a tree to sleep under. Like he still protects us even when we run away from him. His hands are still around us. And I think is God still nourishes. He still gives us what we need for the journey that he has in front of us. Because here's the deal. God's grace is so good, you can only run for a little while. Ask Jonah. Ask all the prophets that tried to go a different direction, but eventually went to their tasks. His grace for a lot, for, for, for a lot of us is so irresistible that we won't be able to run for very long, much like Elijah tried to do. 1 Kings 19 8, when, it, when he says, So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave, gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. I'm going to leave right here for just one. I just want to show you something. Like sometimes when we choose to run from God, even though God still does all those things, God will oftentimes go, okay, you want to run? Okay. And he'll loosen up that leash a little bit. You know those, you know those dog leashes that are like retractable? And the dog's running out there and they stop and jerk back? You know? So he'll, he'll go, you, want to, you want to run some more? Okay. Well, I'm going to make sure you have enough nourishment, enough protection for this journey that you're about to go on. It's, it's going to get you to where you think you want to go. But when you get there, something's going to happen. And you'll have to come retracting back to me. So he got up and ate and drank. The food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Verse 9, there he came to a cave where he spent the night. And here's another thing that God does to us, is God still gives us shelter. God still gives shelter when we run. Like, think about it. It's crazy to think about. Like, it's like in those moments. Like, you know when you've run that far and you're laying there and you're like, man, what am I doing here? Like, you remember the success that you had back here. Like, I was talking with a guy this week at school. I'd actually asked him a question about this. Like, asked him, why do you think people run from spiritual success? And he goes, man, you've been kind of convicting me because the last couple of days I've been thinking about it. And he, he ran a very successful ministry, and he just up and left it. He goes, the last couple of days I've been thinking about that. And, and, he, and he, he just said, I often ask myself, what am I doing here? Because the effect, effectiveness that he had doing in ministry, not that he had, but God had through his ministry. Like sometimes we get to a point where, we're, where we're, we isolate ourselves. 
And all we can ask ourselves is, what are we doing at this point in our lives? How, like, how did I get here? Like, I remember when I was 18 and I worked at Bilo Shopping Center out that way. I was 18 years old, still in high school, and I had stolen $17,000 from the place that I worked. Started feeling convicted about it. Not 17,000, 1,700. Not 17,000. I've ever corrected that because that would be a whole different scenario. But $1,700. And I remember them calling me in the office and going, hey, listen, we knew you took the money. We know what, you, we know what you've done. I remember going downtown to turn myself in to the Knoxville Police Department and sitting in a room with an investigator going, how in the world did I get here? What am I doing here? Am I just going to be a, th- a thief the rest of my life? Is that what I want to be known for? I remember driving to the courthouse on my court dates and going, and what, what's going on? What am I doing here? I remember, dad, I, remember, I remember dad asking me, is this all you're going to do? Is this all you're going to be? Am I going to have to take you to court all the time because of this? I've had to start asking myself, what am I doing here? Because there were some great things that happened throughout high school, spiritually for me. And really, it goes back to what an old pastor said to me was, I don't know if the dad will remember this, a pastor said to me, if you, when I said, I feel like God's called me to preach, he said, if you can run from it, run from it. And I tried. <laughs> I tried big time. And it got me to the point of where Jonah was in the well, where Elijah was in this cave, going, what am I doing here? What in the world am I doing here? First Kings 19 um, verse 10, 15, it says this. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So he, verse 11 says, Go out and stand before me in the mount, on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there, and the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. Have you ever like had those like moments with God where God's trying to get your attention and maybe it even looks like everything's being destroyed around you? Because we've ran and he's trying to get us on that leash back. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
What are you doing here, Kevin? Jessica, Coy, what are you doing here? Verse 14. He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. He's always, when God tries to ask us those type of questions, we always look at where other people are. Well, Johnny over there, ooh, you should see him. He's over there living in that. We always look at other people. He was like, like I'm good. But the people of Israel have broken your covenant with you, torn down the altars, and killed all your, every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. I'm the only one that goes through what I'm going through. I hear that all the time at the middle school. Little did they know half the stuff they went through I've experienced. <laughs> you know? It, 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 our situation is always worse than the other person that's went through the same thing, right? I'm the only one left. Now they are trying to kill me too. And listen to what God said. The Lord told him, go back the same way you came. What are you doing here? Just go back. Go back to where you've experienced me and remember what I've done. You quit running from success, quit running from me. And here's what, if you're taking notes, once you write this down, we've got to go back. We've got to go back and face our demons sometimes. We've got to go back and, and face the people that we've hurt sometimes. But we've got to go back to our spiritual success and stop running from the God who has set us apart. God has set you apart for a reason. And that reason is to change the world where you're planted, where you live, work, and play. There's someone at the school you go to, the, the job that you work, sitting in your barber chair this week, the grass you mow this week. There's somebody there that needs to hear your story. And we need to quit running. Running from there. Because that's your success story. There's no greater success than God taking a sinner and turning them into a saint. There's no greater story than your life being flipped upside down. Like if you would have asked me, do you look the same, Derek, as you did 12 years ago? Heck to the nah. If you knew me 12 years ago, you'd be like, that's a two-faced liar right there. Two-faced lying thief. A whore. He's telling the truth. that came passing my way, you would have said, there ain't no way he's telling the truth about his relationship with God. But look, look, not just where I am, but where you are. From the time that God intervened in your life to now, look at who he has made you to be. There's a success. We've got to go back. We've got to quit running. Because if we keep running, we're going to snap. We're going to lose it. So my question for you today is this. What are you doing here? I don't mean like here. But what are you doing here in your life? Are you just running like Elijah was? I needed God to go back because listen, he goes back. He goes back and he does some incredible things. He finds his successor to carry on the ministry, which is a whole nother story. 
I mean, some great things happen when Elijah goes back. So what are you going to go back to? Because today I feel like God's wanted me to tell you, today's a new start for you. If you're listening online, whatever day it is, today's a new start for you. We just have got to go back to the last place we've seen God move, the last success that we had spiritually, and just start over. And for some of us, it may be years that we have to go back. But we've got to go back and start over. God, I want to thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be here this morning, God. And I just pray that um, as we as we conclude our service today, God, that um, as we cl- conclude the Snapped series, God, that all the bad things that's in our lives that cause us to snap and maybe even the good things that we run from, God, I just pray that, that, that you redeem those, all these moments in our life, whatever they may be, good, bad, or in between, they're redeemable. They're redeemable and are able to be used by you. So may we always ask the question when we to ourselves when we approach things, God, what am I doing here? Is this me retreating from my success? Or your success, really, in me? Or am I fully embracing the commission you gave me to change the world around me? God, pray that you take our stories and take our, take our chains that bind us and use them to reach people that are around us. May we not run, but maybe if we do run, God, that we still see how you protect us, how you provide for us, how you nourish us, how you still give us shelter even when we run, because you want us to see how good you really are. And I pray all this in your name. Amen.